0: All right. I feel like there are people here today that you you are exhausted. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but what is your posture at that time? I'm not talking about retreating from being a Christian, but you know what, we don't always have to be heroes. We don't always have to be showing our strength. We can we can uh, pull back into that secret place. And I feel that there's a tone of encouragement here even in the worship that says my hope is in you sometimes subtly you know our hope becomes in how strong we can be or how great we can be or or how you know how many of the christian techniques we've mastered you know sometimes no it's it's not about how great i've become in even in him it's about him it's about him and though that concept is not far removed, yes, I am in him, etc. But sometimes there's a subtlety that arises in our heart and God just, you know what, rejoice in me, rest in me, sit back, pull into the secret place, receive my strength, receive my love, receive hope in this time. So, Father, I pray that as we worship today, that, Father, will experience the refreshing, cascading presence of life that only comes from you, Lord, that you are the author and finisher of our faith, God, that we don't have to prove anything either to ourselves or to others, Lord, your love is perfect, it is complete, our hope is in you, can you say amen, all right, let's, let's rejoice in him and worship him today. We're going, to, we're going to continue in this atmosphere. But I just want to say something about where many of us are today. And, you know, there are different elements of this. But I remember as a young Christian, there would be these, these challenges I would have. And I found simple solutions. If I just went and worshiped God... 15 minutes in the presence of God, 15 minutes of worship, and it's done. I'd go, and I'd go into my prayer closet, and I'd pray in tongues, and it was done. But there came a season where all of a sudden, that didn't work for me. Because what God was trying to do in me was, was larger and more significant than what, you know, it, it wasn't something that could be resolved by a mood change. And uh, here's, here's what happens is, is I remember that my, my compatriots, all they had, the only answers they had were those simple ones. Well, just do this. And I begin to realize that people's, people's level of maturity will result in certain kinds of solutions. And sometimes there are problems that that's not a solution for. And so sometimes we reveal our immaturity or where we're at by the solutions we propose. But, you know, that's okay, because there are people in your life who may not understand what you're going through right now. But, you know, if you have mothers and fathers in your life, they do understand, but they may not know what stage you're at. Just the other day, my grandson was moody, and, and you know, I just oh, he was tired, so I just took him on my lap, hugged him, and he fell asleep, and everything was better, except that he peed on me. But, but that, was, that was the solution. But there's going to come a time when a hug from grandpa or grandma or a cookie is not going to fix things. But you know what? Who better to understand that than mom and dad and grandma? But we may not know exactly where you are. We may try to give you a cookie. And that may not resolve things. It doesn't mean we don't know that there are challenges beyond what a cookie can fix. But we don't know exactly where you're at. But here's the thing. A cookie is still good. And a hug is still good. And going and worshiping God is still good. And praying in the Spirit is still good. It may not solve the immediate problem you have. It may not resolve this trial that you're in. But there's still something added to you each time you draw near to God. But some of us are in that season where our problems aren't immediately resolved. Don't leave the disciplines. Don't leave the assembling of yourselves with brothers and sisters. Don't leave those things because you've just entered a realm where where God is doing something deeper. Let him do it. Let him do it. It's going to take more time. Don't be discouraged. But still, come back to these moments like right now. My hope is in you. I don't know. I don't understand. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. But my hope is in you. And as we go into this song again, I want us to recommit. Lord, my hope is in you. I'm not going to turn to the right or to the left. I'm not going to curse you. I'm not going to curse the day I was born. I'm not going to turn back. You are my hope. And like Job, even if I die, I know that my Redeemer lives. Can we do that? Now, if you're feeling like you want somebody to come around you and agree with you, just come forward and people are going to come and pray with you and stand with you. It may not fix anything, but it leaves you with a sense that you're not alone. I want to open up the front because you may be in that stage where you're discouraged or you're weak or you're tired and people are going to come around you. It may not fix that thing. This is not maybe a cookie, but you still need to know that you're part of a family and that there are people are with you in this journey. So if you feel... You want to be strengthened by God. Come forward and stand here. And then the rest of the body begin to come. And I give permission to all those that are in our body to come and pray and bless and stand with these ones. I want to make another call. If you feel that, like, I missed that opportunity to get prayed for, there's an area right up here that I feel it's time for you to come and someone's going to stand with you and help agree with you right now. I feel that there's people in this room that are meant to influence a culture around where you work, where you live, your neighborhood. I'm, I, I just see things being influenced, and I want to pray with you right now because I believe that this is a time that God wants us to stand together as a family, and you need to know that there's people
1: here with you right now that agree with
0: you. Okay. Okay. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing. Worship team, thanks so much. Didn't they do a great job? You know, this is their service. Can we bless them. Thank you. I'm not sure what to say here because I've, I've got, it almost seems like, so many tracks of things in in my heart Uh I'm I'm unsure of what to emphasize, but you know sometimes. Uh, have you ever noticed that that Jesus actually talked about many things in a row? You know, I, you know, maybe we're doing sermons wrong. You know, one idea with a poem, a few illustrations, and PowerPoint all heading in the same direction. Anyway, I don't know. The problem is everybody here has a unique challenge in some ways. Yeah, there's some similarities between us, but where you are exactly in your journey may not resemble anybody else in the room. And, and so uh, there's a lot of things the Holy Spirit may, may want to speak to. Uh, there's a couple of kingdom principles that we we need to understand, and um, and as I start to move towards them, I want I want to share a simple confession. And it's this: it's that uh, uh, like many of us, I have been egocentric in my journey. I have I have thought the most exciting thing ever was the thing that I'm learning. And it took a long time before I realized that other people are learning other things that are equally exciting. And sometimes when I share something with somebody and they don't rejoice in what I'm rejoicing about, it's not because they don't understand its value, maybe it's because they're ahead of me. I always wanted to believe it's because they were behind me. Well, Clearly, you don't understand how great this is. And, uh, and that can be an embarrassing thing in, in the wrong company. I remember I had a friend who used to always talk about these elementary things like they were sophisticated, powerful, universal, life-changing kingdom principles. And, uh, I mean, they were true and everything, but they were so elementary. Uh, but he was so convinced that this is where would we should all focus and uh, there was just certain, certain company I couldn't bring him into because I thought, you know, he would dominate the conversation with things that are so elementary. He's, he doesn't have the ability to see the maturity of those he's in the company with. And I want to save him that embarrassment and the shame of, you know, of not knowing what he's in. It's like, you know, going to a, a rocket scientist and telling him about, you know, a Basic algebraic principle. You discern it. Do you realize? Uh, yeah. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I send rockets into space. So, a part of what God is doing in our journey is making us aware of the larger body, and uh, what that what that uh, that sometimes is hard to come by, but. It's, it's a key, it's a key to the peace of God at work in our midst. In fact, if you go to Corinthians, one of the reasons why the Corinthians, Paul says, literally, he says, he says, the reason that some of you are sick and some of you sleep, do you know what sleep means? That's a biblical euphemism for dead. So he's talking to a church in the city of Corinth. He said, the reason some of you are sick and not getting better Right, because they had the promises. Well, don't you know the elders can go and anoint the sick and they can be, they be recovered? Evidently, that wasn't happening. So Paul says, don't you realize the reason that this is happening is because you are not discerning the Lord's body? And that's not about communion. That is about the Lord's body. Who is the body? We are. Who's we? Anybody Anybody here a part of the body? Let me see a show of hands if you think you're a part of the body. Okay, excellent. The body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And so one of the things that God is trying to do is make you aware of the body. Now, uh, the body and its diversity is, is massive. So he starts very small. You know, can you acknowledge the people next to you? The people right in, your, in the proximity of your life. Can you do that? So I want to I want to confess today that that and I don't know how. You know, here's the here's the scary thing. I don't know how often it happened. You know I don't know how often I was in the company of spiritual giants, and I was treating them like they knew nothing. And they didn't have the necessity to put me down, but they thought, okay, all right. You go, guy. I'm thinking, what could we gain if we could see the body? What could we gain if we really had eyes to see? You know, that's why that prophetic, not that I, I don't really like the theme of that Avatar movie called Avatar. i <laughs> starting to remember, what was the name of that movie? Yeah. What was the name of that Avatar movie? Yeah, Avatar. But the, the prophetic principle, I see you. I see you. You know, there's something, uh, uh, there's something in us that wants to be seen. And at the same time, there's something in us that wants to hide. One of those, the greatest need that we have and the most terrifying thing is being seen. And so we have contradictory forces in us. Well, that's another sermon for another day. But let's focus on the need to be seen. The need to be acknowledged is inside of us. We, we long, that's why we need family. That's why we need the body. That's why we need people. That's why we, that's why we join clubs and, of people who have the same interests in us because we feel that because of their passion for this thing, they see us. And so we identify with them on the basis of that commonality. It happens not only in terms of, of things you, you love you know, music, drama, cars, sports, food, right? We, 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 we subculture. We get into groups based on the fact that we have this shared passion. And that's not bad, but it has its limitations, particularly when those limitations are generational. Generational. Sometimes, you know, you can't you can't actually connect with people who are uh, who are of a different age than you. Why is that? Because the things that interest different age ages are different. I mean, some of you I've heard this story again and again, where people have all these friends from high school and whatnot, and uh, all of a sudden one of the one of the couples gets married and the others aren't, and that first couple starts having kids. What happens? there begins to be a divide because there's not the same common interest between these, these people. And so I want to read a scripture here, and I want to, I want to focus on something that's just a natural part of the kingdom of God. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Let me read the parable of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now this this passage, this is a great passage, I'm trying to let's use this tree over here to illustrate this. This Let's pretend this is something edible. Let's pretend that's corn. Basically, when you, when you see that, that passage, it's giving a principle of how things are created in the kingdom of God. And the first thing is this, is that everything is created from a seed. When God wants to do something in the earth, whether it be actually on the planet or in a nation, or in a city, or, or in your individual life, because we are made from what? We are made from the earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, right? God took the dirt and made man. So what God does when he wants to produce something in the kingdom, he always starts with a seed. What men do is we look at a finished product and we shoot straight for that. This is, our, this is our weakness. This is our, our, so if you want to actually have something, you know, uh, you see somebody say, oh, that person's mature, then you, you actually start acting like them and dressing like them and talking like them. And then you, when you do that efficiently enough, you believe you now have maturity. Except that that is not maturity. Maturity is a product of something internal that, that grows up in you. So you can pretend to be mature or you can grow up into maturity. The kingdom of God, everything that God does starts with a seed. He, he, when, when he said, listen, be like Jesus, we read the Bible, and I was a young Christian. I found all the things that Jesus did, and I began to replicate in my life those things. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong, but it's short-sighted. It results in a form of that thing, which is, but what it results in is a man-made version of Jesus that has the resemblance but without the power. And we come by that very honestly, so that's not, a, not really a problem for God. But what God does afterwards is his, his goal after you begin to produce that false version of Jesus in your life is it begins to show you, yeah, this is not me. And let me show you the ways. It's not me. And we tend to kick at that and you know resist that because, wow, well, I worked so hard at this. You know, look how self-controlled I am. Yeah, but it's just superficial. You don't really, you hate those people. You would like to curse at them. Jesus loved them from inside. And when, you know, even when he's on the cross and he was, you know, being crucified, he said, so there is a version of Jesus that we fabricate and there's a version of Jesus that is produced in us. Paul said, it pleased the Father to his son in me and Peter says it this way It says when you're born again you're born again of a seed a seed of Jesus the word of God, the DNA of who, the image of Jesus everything Jesus is in his character everything he is, God put in you as a seed now as a seed a seed can't look like this a seed is exactly what it is it's a seed, so what does it take to become something else it takes time Right, needs to be nourished with water and you have to keep the predators away weeds and insects and things if you do those three things it will produce it has life in itself to come to fruition so all the discipleship stuff is about watering it is about keeping the weeds away and anything that would destroy it but it it has the power to produce godliness all by itself now what this other parable is saying is that is that when God is doing something and it begins to grow up in you it it actually has distinct stages and that those distinct stages are different from one another. So let's look at that again just to be clear about how this works because uh now let me say this applies not only to what God is doing in your life as an individual but in terms of when he's doing something of a of a significant thing in a nation it also goes through these stages. Does that make sense? And I'll give an illustration in a minute. But uh, So he says the kingdom of God is, it's always important when you realize these parables, God is saying something. He's, he's saying, listen, there's an element of the kingdom of God and, and this, is, this is what it resembles. The whole, this is not saying that the whole kingdom of God is this. It's just saying there's a dynamic within the kingdom of God and here it is. So the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. How? He does not know. That's great. That means that godliness can be produced in me without me even knowing. Oh, I thought I had to do it. No, the doing it is to realize that you can't do it. Again, a whole other sermon. Entering his rest, the seventh day. Seventh day is when you cease from your own works as he did from his. The seventh day you come into when you realize, I can't be like Jesus. Now you got it. What, what, what is that? What is that revelation? It's the revelation that, man, there's, there's something at work in me that will produce Jesus that is greater than me trying to be like Jesus. Should I stop trying to be like Jesus? No, you should do whatever you think works. But be prepared to discover it doesn't work. (laughs) But just not doing it, even though you think it works, does not produce the the end of doing it and realizing it doesn't work. That's that's what creates humility and brokenness inside of you, which makes room for the actual thing that God is bringing forth. Make sense? So let me try and get to the main thing here. The Word is so beautiful, isn't it? So he sleeps by day... And sleeps by night, rises by day. Some the teenagers sleep by day, (laughs) rise by night. And sprouts and grow, and he himself does not know how. That's very important. Next stage is this. But the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that, the full grain of the head. Now, I assume he's talking about wheat or something like that, but let's just just think of corn for a second. I want you to see... uh, the, the stages, so it starts with the seed, and then it says first the blade, right, then what, then the head, and the full grain in the head. what it 's really saying here is this is that every stage looks different, every stage looks different. I remember years ago when uh, when there was a um, a significant ministry that i 'm still involved with today, and it was being passed from one leader to another leader. And I remember uh, there, there was uh, a group of people who were around. I, I think I have to get more specific. It's too vague. Anyway, anyway, there was this great ministry. <laughs> 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 and, and when this guy took over, he began to move in a certain direction. And the people that were loyal to the previous leader said, where he's going is not the original vision. But it was, the, it was the guy with the original vision was informed by God to say, no, this guy is going to take it to the next level. But what he did is he went from the seed to the blade. And everybody who was sort of done, not really understanding the kingdom, but, you know, supporting what was going on in the seed were like, "Woohoo! this is great, this is great. But they didn't really understand the process. And so when it became the blade, they said, this is not the same. This is a different vision. And that's how the kingdom of God works, is that that God purposely... I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he does that. First, to confound the wise. God is always about confounding the wise. Just when you think you know, you realize you don't know. But when it goes from the seed to the blade, it's fundamentally different, but it is the same. I've heard people say that about this church. That, you know, well, the, the, the way that God's taking it is different than we, we were supposed to do. Yeah, because we we're going from seed to blade to head to full grain in the head. And we don't know what the next thing is, but it's, it's on this journey by itself, and God himself is watching over it. So I don't have to get it back to the seed form so that I can feel comfortable and feel that this is genuinely God. And that's what we do is because of our limited perception of these stages of the manifestation of the kingdom, we go with what's comfortable to us. And the most, the most common denominator is seed, the basic expression. But what if, what if things are going from seed to blade? Here's what I've started to notice, is I started to notice that one of the things that divides generations is the fact that uh, is, is what God is doing within those generations. So what happens is we group and we, we rally together around commonality. So if we're all seeds, then we, we rejoice in the seed. The seed is where it's at. And then when we when we're trying to communicate that to the blade, the blade is not as enthused as we are. So we assume that the blade is against the seed. No, the blade is not against the seed. The blade just simply has gone, is, is, is further in the development. Is, yeah, that's good, but just wait till you get here. Yeah, no, no, what really counts is the seed. No, it's the blade. And meanwhile, the head's going, hey. <laughs> but we celebrate... Our tendency is to celebrate us, where we are right now. And if we're ever going to have unity in generations, we must have the capacity to celebrate what is beyond us. It's actually much easier for you to endure what's behind you. When parents are dealing with immature children, they don't get as uptight as the children do. Why? Because, hopefully, this too shall pass. This is why grandparents are so great when you're starting to have teenagers. Because the parents are pulling their hair out and the grandparents, it's all right. We've been through this. This is normal. (laughs) Normal Normal-ish. Normal for a blade. But there's something beyond this and you don't have to destroy that to get to the next thing. There, there's a way to walk it through its stage to the next thing. But it's, it's far easier for us as grandparents to look back and see the mistakes we made when we were raising our kids, when we were raising our teenagers, and that's why we're in a better position. What's harder is when you're the seed to celebrate the blade. Or when you're the blade to celebrate the head. Or when you're the head to celebrate the full grain in the head. Because fundamentally, it's it's somewhat different. You cannot always see the connection between this stage and this stage and this stage. But honor and humility. The possibility that, man, maybe the reason he isn't celebrating me and worshiping me is because I'm not as great as I think. And again, I, I'm using extreme language. Sometimes we, well, we just, does he, do, do people really appreciate what God is doing in my life right now? I'm telling you, people who are more mature, they do. But they understand the transient nature of the stages that are, you're in. And perhaps even know better what mistakes you can't make. And one of the greatest mistakes I've made is underestimating the knowledge of those that are ahead of me and gauging their understanding based on their enthusiasm for what I'm doing right now. And I did that with people around the prophetic ministry. I mean, back in when I was a young Christian, I was the sort of the voice of the prophetic developing, and I was all into this and this and this. And like, what's the matter with you, you pastors? Get a hold of yourself. You know, this is where God is going. And people would start talking to me about love. And i said, say, well, I know love's important. I love people. But I didn't love the way they could love. And while they may not have been prophets, they saw a lack in me around love that could shipwreck my journey. It wasn't that they were against all the time. Maybe some of them were because they didn't understand the prophetic, but sometimes they just saw danger signs because I was creating an image of who I was by a gifting that was only one, one dimension of what God was doing in it, but it was the most exciting thing to me, and therefore it was the one I was wanting to rally around and define myself with. So I wonder still today... How many of those people that I dishonored in my mind and my heart actually really knew what God needed to do in my life? Because I find myself today saying some of the things that they said then. Hmm. Man, what did they know? What did they know? I guess the overall application... It comes back to this. We need to focus more on the possibility of what we don't know rather than what we think we know. Yeah. Uh, we know some things. Granted, you know, I know some things. I know a lot of things. But what keeps me from really honoring and stepping into what I don't know is celebrating what I know and trying to get everybody else to rally around it. But I love this statement here. It says, when the seed is sown and should sleep by night and rise by day, the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. He does not know how. The the beautiful thing about the, the earth is that it's just yielding to a process. And that's what God wants us to do, to yield to a process and not make the stages in that process more than what they are in order to enhance our value, ourselves. So this is what was happening in the Corinthian church, is that there were different people enthusiastic about different things, and then they were falling into different camps, and they were you know, dishonoring and fighting and you know, tearing down what others were doing in order to enhance what they were doing. And that happens all the time. It happens from person to person happens from area of interest to area of interest. It happens from generation to generation. And it happens from church to church and denomination to denomination. And what God really wants us to do is get to a place where we see that the planting of the Lord and the process of the kingdom of God is not just one of these stages. It is all of these stages. And do we have an eye to recognize and value and and endorse and bless what God is doing, even if it's different than right here or right now. So here's what I want to say after all that. Be slow to believe they don't understand me. Be slow to think, well, they just don't value me because when my friends are around me, they all say how great I am, and these people don't tell me how great I am. I was uh, talking with uh, Jude. (laughs) I was talking to Jude, and I was thinking about Jude, and Jude is just turning 10, and of course he's not quite 10, but he's almost 10. And if you ask Jude, or any of the kids, ask my grandson Micah, are you a big boy or are you a little boy? I'm a big boy. My parents said so. But if you ask Jude about Micah, a 10-year-old to a 5-year-old, Jude would say he's a little boy. Micah would say, I'm a big boy. Because Micah is a big boy to 3-year-olds. And Jude is a big boy to 10-year-olds. And you, to children, are just really old. <laughs> well, there, the, the the semantics of stages and what we are and what we're not is always evolving. And just because I would say to, well, you're not a big boy yet, but you're getting there. That might be really disheartening to somebody who's told, been told 50 times this week by their mom that they're a big boy now. But it's just semantics. I'm not saying you're not bigger than you used to be. I'm just saying this. So, Let's honor each other. Let's honor the stages. Let's let's believe in the possibility that there's something we do not yet know about what God is doing, about what God is doing in others. Even what God is doing in me. I I don't really fully know. If I knew, I would do it. What is he shifting? Uh, I don't know. I can't... It's not that mechanical of just doing something different. Something is increasing and something is decreasing and I'm not in charge of it. I can add water to the plant. I can weed around the plant. And those things we need to do, but there's something about the processes of God in your life you just need to honor and patiently wait for, but it will produce fruit inside of you. I believe that I am contending for a harvest in the generations beneath me that will eclipse anything I've seen. But I, I also know that when it's at the blade place, it's not at the harvest place. And the worst thing for a harvest is trying to harvest it prematurely. And that's what the enemy When the enemy aborts something God is doing in your life or in a generation, it is premature harvest. Yeah. And a part of what God is trying to bring is, listen, don't try to serve this before it's time. There's going to come a day when it'll be a full cycle. It'll be a full age, and God will serve it to the world. Yeah. We don't have to do that. Hey, look how great I am. If the world can't see you, if the church can't see you, maybe you're a seed hidden in the ground. But I feel big. You're a big seed. <laughs> you're a great blade. Look how fat and luscious my blades are. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we long for the manifestation of in the generations of what you are doing. Father, we thank you uh, that you are watching over this harvest. Lord, we have aborted as the church so many harvests. And uh, I pray, God, that, that we would not abort this harvest. I pray that the grain will ripen and you will immediately put in the sickle and bring the harvest, and you will, you will reap that harvest. Father, we ask, Lord, we, we just come before you and say, God, teach us, teach us, teach us. God, we have so many blind spots, so many things we cannot see and do not see. Lord, we want to honor. We want to honor what you're doing in others. And so, Father, I pray right now that we'll commit today to not judging each other by our own trials, by our own journey, And I want to thank you for what you're doing. You know, I I just want to say I'm I'm thinking of of Drew Martin here right now because Drew Martin is a, a guy I met, I don't know, close to, I don't know, 15 years ago and right when I saw him, the Lord graced me to see a journey he was in and to bless him. And he's closer and closer to a harvest. I don't know what that harvest is going to look like, but this latest project is a part of that harvest. And I'm just so delighted. But it's it's not just the project itself. It is the result of faith being honed and developed in him through a certain process that only God could see happen and brought frustrations and difficulties. But, but it's becoming something else. And I rejoice in that harvest. I re- and by that same token, I rejoice in what God is doing in so many others. And I want to say, I, I don't see everything, but I see a lot of what God is doing in you. I see sometimes the weeds that God is trying, out that are trying to steal from your harvest. It doesn't mean I don't see the planting, but the weeds will kill and choke out the harvest. So let me help you pull out those weeds. Let me help you be watered at the right times and seasons so you don't die. So that you can come to that full journey. That's what we do as spiritual leaders. I can't make that thing grow any faster than it is. But we can help with other things. Can you say amen? I want you to look around the room. Let's stand up together here right now. Look around the room. And I want you to see these people in the room. These are the planting of the Lord. Look at, have a good look at some of these people. Love on them with your eyes. These are the planting of the Lord. There's destiny, there's future, there's ministry, there's kingdom in every single person here. And what we want to be for each other is, is part of God's incubating process to bring those seeds to maturity. Can you say amen? Amen. So.
1: So, Lord, I pray even now that we would uh, have patience with the process. Yes. Lord, that we would yes. not lose hope, mm. that we would trust. You know, the Bible translates the word wait and the word hope are the same word in many places where it's translated one way or the other. So, Lord, I pray that we would be able to wait without losing hope. Yes. Yeah. That, we would, that we would give each other grace. Yes. Yeah. That we would give ourselves grace. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you would give us a vision for the head with the full grain in it. Yeah. Lord, that we begin to even understand what that might look like in our lives and in our life together as a body. So, Lord, we thank you that you know and that your ways are perfect, that they confound the wise, but that they're perfect. So when we don't get it, Lord, we rely on you because we know you do. So I thank you for that, Lord, and I ask for your blessing over this body as we mature together into what you would have us become so that we can begin to produce more of the seed that starts the whole cycle again. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.